Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Husky Fan Podcast. Here to wrap up the big victory over Stanford and preview the UCLA game, which uh, is in a couple days. Jimmy, man, how, I, I don't think I talked to you after the Stanford game. So uh, how, how are you feeling today and how do you feel about that? Well, got to feel really good. <laughs> got to feel really good about it. Um, this is a, this is a odd feeling for dog fans, right? Um, we were just, we, we've been waiting for, you know, maybe something to happen where, you know, the old dogs peek their head out, but not the case with this team, man. Um, I still can't get over the difference between last year and this year. Everyone's talking about the difference. I mean, it, has there ever have we ever seen a turnaround like this in regards to like how the team operates how they run the offense um <laughs> just the confidence that the players seem to have um you know there's not like this anxiety or this anxiousness around the team but truly i mean think it, i mean this was a four win team last year they're 4 and 0 and i mean We'll get into it, but with the Stanford game, it, there was never really ever a concern of losing that game, in my opinion. And it's just uh, it tells you what you know a competent coach can do. And then obviously, when you have a an elite quarterback, I mean, I think it's safe to say that Penix Penix is elite. Yeah, I mean, it it looked like he didn't have that great of a game game yet. When you look at his numbers and you look at the highlights, like there were still two or three, like wow passes. Oh yeah. I mean, and it's amazing. Like, yeah, maybe he didn't have a game like he did against Michigan state, but it was a highly efficient game. I mean, it got, he hasn't even thrown a pick and he never looks flustered in the pocket ever. And, and I've talked about it before, but just the subtleties in how they move him around in the pocket and where he's, you know, th- he runs, you know, he moves to a spot and throws. I mean, he's not holding on to the ball for more than two, three seconds ever. He's rarely ever holding on to the ball. And receivers are open quickly, like right away. Um, it's just, it's. It's a little shocking, honestly. I mean, they turn around. I, I mean, mean they're, yeah, they're going to have to pay. They're going to have to pay DeBoer, and hopefully, they can keep Grub. I mean, the guy's putting together a hell of a resume. You'll be sought after for sure. Yeah, I mean, we. I mean, shout out to us because we were talking about it on podcasts leading le- the last couple we did before the season started. We were. Look, we were dooging about this team, looking at just everything on paper. There's still a lot of talent here. A lot of yeah. the guys, a lot of the guys stayed, and um, of course, you know, Penix is. Ex- we had high expectations. He's exceeded those. Uh, but you know, you look at Jimmy. Look at the last two games. We were basically up by twenty. You know, up by twenty-five to Michigan State with you know eight or nine minutes to go. Stanford, you know, with two minutes to go, we were up by twenty-five. Mm-hmm. That that's what a really a really good team should do that, and so we'll see. I mean, we'll talk about UCLA, but if if we blow out UCLA, I don't think UCLA is that great. But if we blow out UCLA, that's like three games where you did what a really good team would do. 
Right. Like, I'm not saying we're going to be a playoff team, but like a really good team doesn't just blow out. And these aren't like I mean, you know, Michigan State, Stanford, they're not they're not bad teams. I mean, they're not you know they're not good teams, but they're not they're not uh, bottom feeders. Yeah, they're not bottom feeders like Colorado or Arizona. I know Arizona is getting better, but they're still. I mean, you you blow out UCLA this week. You're doing what a really good team does, which is you blow you you consistently blow out teams like week in and week out. I'm not projecting and saying we're going to have you know nine or ten blowouts this season, but as the season starts, it's you know kind of interesting in in these games because we had full control of them. And I think you know you you meant I don't know I, I think you mentioned the culture, and that's one thing like the culture and the intangibles. That this team has. I mean, Doug Baldwin, um, I remember he said something like the most important thing was how together a, a team is. And he said, like, all the best teams I've played on were when the team was really together. And I mean, you look at, um, you look at, uh, you know, whether it's the Seahawks or whether it's the Huskies, you know, we know there was some discord, uh, at UW in various years, I don't want to give a history lesson, but um, you know, if you look at like the 2000 team, for example, like that was a right. you know senior quarterback. You had really, really tight leadership. You had guys who knew what they're doing. And this, te- I mean, obviously last year was a joke, but if you, I don't know how you quantify that, but it's really you can see it with this team. I mean, you know, Michael Penix. I don't know if you saw the video, but he was giving yeah. the scout team credit. I mean, that's what that's what a leader does. You know, mm-hmm. he gives credit to the, 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 the scout team. Those are like the bottom guys. Like nobody ever talks to them. He's giving credit to the scout team. I was listening to, you know, player interviews and I was driving home after the game and ZTF made, not to go off on another tangent, but he made a really interesting comment that I don't know if it was just the last, you know, last two years or if he was talking about the, the Pete plus the Jimmy years in general, but he said the previous coaches did not want the defense to like implore the crowd or interact with the crowd, like during the game, you know, they wanted them to completely focus um, mm. and not do any of that. But, but still that that's what gets players on defense fired up. You know, oh, when sure. they, when they, when they show emotion and, you know, they, they goad the crowd into making more noise. I mean, that, that's what fans like us love. And that that's what the player, I mean, when the players see the fans getting in and ZTF, by the way, said it was, he said it was louder than during Michigan State. I mean, there weren't as many people there. I know on TV there was a comment that I think someone texted me. I mean, Petros, I know, didn't call the game. They weren't there. You know, they were in some L.A. studio mm. calling it. But I, oh, really? I, they kind of they kind of poo-pooed the noise. But They, they um, weren't present? They weren't at the stadium? Yeah, it's like this new thing where they – yeah, they're not there. That's incredibly strange. That uh, they must be on a budget, huh? Yeah, for sure. everybody's <laughs> everybody's got to cut costs now amid inflation. <laughs> but yeah, I, I know that was a lot of rambling for me. But I guess you know the cliff notes of, from that rambling is this is a really really tight team with a really really strong culture, and and those intangibles are, you know, they can add like one to one and a half wins potentially over how good you are on paper. All that credit goes to Jen Cohen. <laughs> we do have a Q&A about that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a good topic to discuss for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you when you talk about the 2000 team too, 
you know, New Heitzel gave some legendary speeches. You know, he was a hell of a motivator. Granted, you know, he couldn't keep it going, but uh, at least for that season and how they, you know, they had the Curtis Williams thing and rallied around that. I mean, they had, you know, some really significant moments in the season as well to, you know, keep them close. But yeah, to your point, I mean, the, the culture is important and if you've got guys committed and, it, you know, if Penix is giving shout out to the scout team, they're going to hear that, you know, and it is important, right? I mean, there are elements of that being really important for the team to get prepared and, and to give that credit, you know, does, does really show, you know, that you're acknowledging not just the starters or one guy or what have you, but you're, you know, you're encompassing everyone involved in the program in that, in that comment itself. And some of that has to be coming too from the coaching staff as well, right? I mean, I'm sure I'm sure all coaches implore the uh, the aspect of a team and you win as a team. But you know, obviously, some coaches are better at it than others, and some are genuine about it, and some aren't genuine. And I think I can't. Was it Yogi Roth? I can't. Someone made a comment that the the board just seems like a very genuine individual. I think was it RG three who said that. Was it RG three? He might be right. And he said he yeah. liked to play. Yeah, he would like to play for a coach like that. Yeah, and so, you, you know, when you're genuine, obviously people gravitate to that because you know you can sniff out the bullshitters uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. And the it, sarks it, of the world. Yeah, the sarks of the world. Jeez. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know clearly it's it's lending itself to the play on the field. Um, and to your point, yeah, it could definitely lead to the additional wins for sure. Yeah. And one thing with, um, DeBoer, what someone told me, uh, he really liked how DeBoer was, what he said, as far as how he was talking to the team about the Stanford game, he said, you know, look, we know the history, but we're a new team. Mm -hmm. What happened in past years means nothing. Mm. And so whatever, you know, clearly DeBoer, he he knows. I mean, not only do the, these coaches they they just seem really good and they have a really good handle on you know game planning and that stuff, but mm-hmm. I, they they know how to properly motivate. It would seem so after the first couple of weeks. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. all this worry about like, oh, we're going to trap game. We're going to have a letdown. You know, after yeah. Michigan State, f no, didn't happen. No, didn't happen, and they came out focused, prepared. Didn't. And, and, you know, how many years we talk about you know, one side of the ball, you know, really outperforming the other side, like if they could just come together and play a full, you know, complete game. I, I mean, I feel like we're getting the output on both sides of the ball. I mean, eight sacks against Stanford. And I mean, they, uh, they tackled McKee a couple yeah. more times that were like he ran, he ran, he probably, you know, ran out of like two or three more sacks. Yep, for sure. And and they did this too with like, you know, they're struggling at the secondary position with bodies, right? I mean, they, they had freshmen playing. And Javion Green, I don't even know who that is. Yeah, I guess he's a Houston guy. <laughs> he had a huge hit late in that game. I don't know if you recall that hit. But uh, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, he did. He did a huge hit, but I think he did get burned on a big play. Um, but either way, I mean, they got 
Stanford has big receivers. Uh, there was definitely a size differential there, I think, on one of the plays. But, I, you know, it's uh, – <laughs> what can you say? I'm a little speechless, man. It's a, it's a good day to be a dog, good time to be a dog. It's a refreshing change in, in all aspects of the program. Didn't that kind of feel like a Don James game? I mean, eight yeah. sacks, huge yeah. QB pressure, and then you have the kicker going four for four. Yeah, for sure. Totally. <laughs> yeah, and and le- hey, let's not leave out Peyton Henry. He's a good kicker. Yeah, I mean. Um, which it, is vital. for Yeah, being, those, you know, those were important field goals, too. Absolutely. 100 pressure on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you forget those those small details. Having a really good place kicker means a lot to winning games. Um, I did want to point out, though, too, like, talking about how they use Penix in the pocket. I mean, there was a play early in the first quarter where Penix kind of rolled to his right, but then he switched his feet through, obviously he's left-handed, through back to the left to Westover for a wide open pipe. It's probably like a 20-yard play. Uh, Put him inside the 15. You know, they eventually scored on that drive. I think it was the first drive of the game, actually. I mean, it's just those... Those type of plays, like we never ever saw that, right? We haven't, we, we haven't seen those in years. Haven't seen any sort of like any sort of misdirection type plays, or you know, getting guys rolling one way and then going past and back to the other. I mean, it's just like it. It tells you. I know we don't have to talk about the past, but like, how yeah. bad was John Donovan? I mean, seriously. I mean, we saw nothing. I mean, that offense, in comparison, same guys, literally the same guys. Yes. And they looked lost, and they had nothing. And then you bring in this staff. The offense looks way more complicated, only because, like, (laughs) you know, they move guys around. Um, You know, guys are always wide open. I mean, it's probably they're breaking it down to where obviously they can understand it, but it's just it's truly mind blowing the difference when it's like literally the same guys, except for the quarterback, of course. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Penix's arm is so elite; his accuracy is insane. He doesn't hold on to the ball. He doesn't run backwards. He does, you know. He doesn't look hurried at all right like what would this offense look like with dylan morris it certainly wouldn't be as efficient that's for sure yeah it wouldn't be as good but the thing with DeBoer as a coach i mean not only did he develop jake hayner but actually when he was at fresno the first time do you remember there was this guy marcus mcmarion he was on the he might have played against us in 2016 Mm-hmm. Uh, on the beefs. He, I think he was like a second or third string quarterback. Yeah. yeah, he was like, he was nothing. Well, then he went to Fresno State in 2017. And remember, we blew out Fresno State that year. But the, Fresno State actually had like, I think, nine or ten wins. And that guy had a good year, Marcus McMarion, as a quarterback. I remember at the time, I was like, oh, that's surprising. That That's another guy that DeBoer developed. So, mm. I mean, God forbid if Penix gets hurt, I I do have some... I do have some confidence. I mean, obviously, we're not, not going to be as good as good of a team, but I mean, you do have a guy who's who's developed multiple quarterbacks who are not who don't have elite talent. And and I'm certain, right? There, the offense would 
run slightly different because I just don't think Morris can make the throws that Penix can. So right. obviously they would they would probably make some adjustments uh, to the offense if you know, like you said, God forbid, Penix went down and Morris was the guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to think about that scenario, but I mean, it does really help when you have a quarterback as good as Penix. And I mean, there's, if he keeps this rolling, like he certainly will, you know, and it's warranted for him to get, you know, Heisman hype. Cause I mean, he's, he, what is he leading the country in yards? Yards per game and yards. Yeah. Yards per game and yards. And then, yeah. And then, um, he's up there in touchdowns, I believe as well. Not, not number one, but what does he have? 10 TDs on the year? Probably. I haven't looked it up. I think it's 10. And he's definitely some Heisman list. He's getting some pub. Yeah. And, and that's only, I think obviously with a strong performance against UCLA where Allegedly, China Husky told me they have only won six times in the Rose Bowl since 1967. That is a hell of a stat. Six times since 67? Yeah. Wow. Well, how many that times is... have we won at USC? Probably probably more than that. Probably. I mean, just going back, we won at USC in 2015, 2011. Mm-hmm. Or wait, 2010. Yeah, we won Sarks. 20. Yeah, Sark 2015, 2015, 2010. Or when um, we beat Sark, excuse me, when we yeah. were down there. And, yeah, I, it's probably not. It's probably not that much more at USC. I mean, UCLA has always been our kryptonite. But I think this is. I mean, fans are worried about that. Oh, it's. I mean, I'm I a little worried about the grass. I mean, because it is a different playing surface. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a completely different team with a different coach. And they don't, you know, they don't give a, a fuck about <laughs> about the past. No, no, and I'm they're they're making that very clear. And I just love like the energy too from the defense. Like when Tupatala had that sack early. <laughs> Did you like, see him blow up that guy? That was the play where he blew up that running back, right? Uh, no, he he hit the he hit the quarterback. No, but there, one of his sacks, the running back tried to block him, and he just knocked oh, him over, and then, over and then got the sack. Oh, yeah. Was it that play? Um, well, well, he was so juiced up, man. He was, like, shaking on the field, man. It was, like, unreal. Um, he was just so juiced. Like, that type of energy, I feel like we haven't seen that in a long time either. Just, like, just fierce, man. Yeah. Um, I, I even saw Dylan Morris was, I think after Giles Jackson scored his touchdown there, you know, he was like high-fiving everybody and he embraced with Dylan Morris. So yeah, that's awesome. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, uh, not a big deal, but I mean, it's just nice to see that in ZTF too, like he was showing emotion and Eddie Ulafosio was over there too, with the guys showing up, like he was high-fiving guys when they were coming off the field. Yeah. I can't wait to get him back. <laughs> I mean, that just only adds to their, you know, building on this what could be a special season. Um, But, you know, obviously (laughs) one game at a time. Yeah, really long way to go. And it's going to be it's going to be a a week to week. It could be a tense thing because we're nervous about, you know, we're nervous about our special season being derailed. Well, that and, you know. 
they're you know they're bound to have an off game. It just feels like the offense has just been so efficient. Yeah. Um, you know what happens when they're they're having an off off game? You know we just haven't seen that yet. True. Yeah. I I did. Uh, it was late Saturday night. You were probably in bed, but I did a spaces with Tech just for a little while, and we were talking about that. Like, yeah. I mean, if the offense. I mean, people were saying last week that was like a B game for the offense. But, yes, if the offense has a C game, mm. you know, later in the season when the weather weather becomes a factor, you know, that could sure hurt us a little bit. And that's why, you know, hopefully we can improve at our weak points and, you know, not be entirely reliant on the offense – uh, well, scoring the, lots of points, or the or the pass rush as well. Well, did Talapapa seem to be running a little harder and faster? He seemed to look a little faster this week. Yeah, I think he looked better. Yeah, I think he looked better. Um, you know, it was nice to see Will Nixon get a score early in that game as well. Um, I think you know if we get that well when we get that weather shift right, hopefully we start seeing the run game really settle in and be more dominant on the ground where, you know, we're not going to be so heavily reliant on Penix and the receivers. That would be nice. Um, yes. Because you're right. You can't, you can't, you, and, and that ch- championship teams, yeah, they can beat you in multiple ways. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And obviously we have to avoid any significant injury. Of course. Um, I think the board, they're having tryouts. I think he said, they're a little tight on numbers, if I'm not mistaken. Or a little light. A little light, excuse me. Yes, a little light on numbers. Well, maybe we get lucky and we can find a couple defensive backs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who's coming out for tryouts? Who's, you know, who's making that trip? Well, you never know. You get lucky and find someone who's yeah, half decent. It's true. Yeah, you never know. So, yeah, I mean, it was... Um, it's it's just fun. It's just, it's a good feeling, man. Especially beating Shaw, right? I mean, I enjoy watching David Shaw lose. <laughs> yeah, get that smug look off his yeah. face. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, what what do you feel like about? You think they have to pay DeBoer after this season, or is that Nebraska going to snap him up? I don't think he's going to leave after one season. Nebraska no. will certainly call him, but I doubt, I really doubt he's going to jump after one season. That would be really surprising. I mean, his daughter just committed to the softball team. Yeah. That's um, probably why Coker is really happy. I would imagine. I mean, she's a, isn't she elite? She's one of the top, yes. top players in the country, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, sounds like could be a five-star recruit. I don't yeah. know if they have the same rating system for – softball prospects well either way right i mean how special it'd be to place where you coach and then you know your daughter's on the softball team that's pretty unique and you know especially when you're as busy as a head football coach and let's say your you know your daughter decides or son decides to play you know somewhere where you probably realistically won't get to see them play in person very often if at all yeah just right i mean this is a a setup where, you know, he's going to be able to follow and watch his daughter's career 
um, that's got to mean something. Yeah, but what do you think is a, uh, are worse jobs for a family uh, aside from being a college football head coach? Truck driver. What about uh, like a law enforcement or a lawyer? <laughs> Th- those are pretty bad, right? Well, law enforcement, yeah, you're probably worried every time it's out the door. Lawyer, I don't know. Depends what type of, type of lawyer you are. And you're working normal hours. Probably well, a, lot, a lot of them. A lot of them. Well, work that's probably more not than true. normal hours. But yeah, you're, you're right. right. Truck driver makes sense. Yeah, college, lawyer, college football coach too. If you're working for a big firm, yeah, you're probably working a shit ton of hours. Yeah, yeah. like Tom, like Tom Cruise in the firm. Yeah, yeah. Oil rigger guy, out, like out in the sea. Fisherman, you're out. Maybe you're gone four or five months of the year. Yeah. Either way. <laughs> I think he has some roots in Seattle. Obviously, we have the money to pay him. Um, if he has a successful year, you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna lock him up. Yeah. I mean, do sure. we want to go through another freaking coaching search in two no. or three years? Hell no. So before the before the season, I said that the chances of DeBoer being a unicorn were like thirty percent. Mm. Mm-hmm. I guess now I'd well maybe wait a couple weeks, but I'd probably say yeah, chances of him being a unicorn have gone from thirty percent to maybe thirty eight percent or forty percent. That's fair to say. Yeah, I think it's fair, right? I mean, it's obviously early. You know, he doesn't have three or four recruiting cycles under his belt. I mean, it can certainly go south, but you know, if it falls apart, you fire yourself, right? Regardless of the contract, uh, in most cases. But, and I think that, you know, the big worry is a lot of, you know, recruiting, you know, Coker, tequila, right. Those, that's Mm -hmm. what they were worried about initially. And my opinion, I don't know if you agree, but my opinion is what we've seen so far this is going to really help recruiting. I mean, especially offensive guys, you know, we have one question about, you know, getting another QB in the portal for next year, but I wouldn't, we can touch on that. Yeah. I would think it, it, at the, and even the way the defense is playing, it looks, you know, it's a fun defense. You know, guys are rushing the passer. They have the ability to get numbers and Mm -hmm. DeBoer and Grubb, they're already proven offensive gurus, but now you're seeing it. Now you're seeing it against Power Five competition. Yep. And they're t- they they yep. took this quarterback who's ha- who's injury prone and revitalized his career, and they're making him look like a a Heisman Trophy candidate at this. He point. hasn't even been sacked. He hasn't even been sacked. He's not been sacked on the season. Yeah, the sacks <laughs> were the the sacks were backups, I believe. We've given up two yeah. sacks. Annex so has not been sacked. Yeah. Uh, well, the, I, just, I mean, the offensive uh, line—that's been a—that's been a positive surprise that they're playing up to their talent level. Well, I know that—that's a question uh, in this Twitter space as well. So we can either wait to go over that, or yeah, I like doing I like doing question, I like doing uh, questions at the end. Well, let's talk about UCLA a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah, I figured that's where you're going to go. Yeah, yeah, so this is a nationally televised game on friday first road game so there is 
another five opportunity. Next eight are on the road. Five of the next eight games are on the road. Uh, at five. Of, wait. Uh, so that you mean the rest of the season we have five more road games? Yeah, I guess that's a better way to say it. Yeah. Well, three of the next four. Three of the next four are the, on the road. Yeah. Yes. But I think of the remaining games, five are on the road. Right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but this because after UCLA you play. Arizona State, Arizona, Cal, and none of those games are going to be uh, a prime time with a national audience, but this one is. So it's another opportunity for the brand, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, watching clips of UCLA today and just reading things and talking to people, and I've been a huge UCLA dude. I mean, I think Chip <laughs> has done a good job. He's like slowly built it up. They've gotten better every year, but I don't know. Maybe they should have been. I think they were eight and four last year. They probably could have been better, mm-hmm. uh, but just watching them, I'm really not that impressed. I mean, to give you one, here's some numbers. South Alabama, who they almost lost to, is, I think they're ranked 66 in Sagarin. Do you know what Kent State is ranked? No, 72. Okay. So the according Similar. to Sag, uh, yeah, according to Sagarin, on a neutral field. Uh, Kent uh, Kent State would be about a one point underdog to South Alabama, a team that almost beat UCLA. Wow! Right now, yes. UCLA in this game, I didn't look at the numbers. I watched some of the clips. UCLA did have a fumble on the one yard line, which was really costly. I think they had another fumble, which really helped South Alabama. But still, South Alabama had, I think they had a two point lead, and and they could have kicked a field goal, but they decided to go for it. Uh, I forget mm. what it was. And so they ended up, the quarterback got sacked. Then UCLA drove down the field, kicked a field goal to win the game. Um, but, you know, they played Bowling Green, who has a sagrin of 166. They won 45-17. to 17. They just played Colorado. So if we're looking at mm. who's played who, the strength of schedule, UCLA's strength of schedule is 162. Ours is 72. So wow. UCLA has played an incredibly ridiculously easy schedule and Jimmy I'm watching these clips of them and they're honestly not that impressive they really don't look like that good of a team well what I am impressed with is your prep that's a lot of a lot of a lot of stats you just covered there I was like great yeah it makes me feel better already hearing what you just said (laughs) yeah and one and here's another interesting thing, because, you know, we're looking at, obviously, DTR. He's a dual-threat quarterback. I mean, Charbonnet, the back is good. But Charbonnet... Very good. Yeah, but he's he might be dinged up, because he has, mm. he three games ago he didn't play, and the mm. last two games he got, I think, 11 carries and 9 carries. So he's really good, but he's, he, he's dinged up, and they've probably been saving him for this game. That's what you would think. Yeah, that makes sense. But looking at... Uh, I'm just trying to find this... Um, this it, thanks to uh Redmond or Airwolf. Airwolf. Um he he had a great tweet about UCLA's uh downfield passing. Um uh let me see here. Okay, here it is. Despite playing some grim defenses, UCLA's average depth of target on passes is only five and a half yards, which is 
129th in the country. This suggests to me that the Huskies selling out to stymie their run game is likely. So, yes, DTR is a, du- a dual-threat quarterback, but mm-hmm. they're, not, they're, not, they're not throwing the ball deep. The, a, a, the average depth of target, five and a half yards. Yeah, that's insane. And, you know, if you're looking at us, right, you're thinking we want to throw deep. But can DTR throw deep? Is that DTR's limitations or just, you know, their game planning? Or what, you know, why are they only getting that type of production? Yeah, I don't know. It could be. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, DTR, I mean. I think he was a five-star recruit out of high school, right? I don't certainly think he's met those expectations in any stretch. Yeah, I mean, he was pretty highly rated, I think. I mean, he's decent, but I think that... Yeah, it's... Obviously, if we get some pressure on him, he's elusive. We're probably going to miss sacks. That's going to happen. But it seems like him chucking the ball downfield is not something we have to worry about. I'm sure it'll probably happen as he's eluding the pass rush a couple times. But my point is this is not like Stanford where Stanford's a team that you know can throw the ball deep. I mean, we saw that. Well, I think McKee is actually the second-rated quarterback behind Penix in the Pac-12. I think West Coast football or football, whatever that Twitter uh, handle is. Super West Sports or what? Yeah, it's like they they almost have the same name, but it's two different outfits. Yeah, I think McKee was number two in the pack behind Penix. Yeah, um, so I don't recall where where DTR was uh, in that ranking. Yeah, I didn't see. Um, but you know, Charbonnet, their their backup running back looks decent, and Charbonnet, if he's not dinged up. No, he's, he's definitely, a yeah, he's definitely a threat. Um, but very fast, yeah. Um, but yeah, it it it's not an offense that it's not an offense that should concern us. But it'll you know it's another test. It's it'll give us more information to see how a dual threat quarterback could hurt us. I mean, you know, Peyton Thorne was. A little elusive, you could say, but he he was yeah. he was a pretty accurate thrower. I mean, the the first quarterback was really elusive, and he was a he was a a decent passer. I think both those guys are, are better passers than DTR. He's just more elusive than those two guys. So I don't yeah. know how that you know maybe maybe he's going to run for a few first downs, but he's not going to complete as many broken plays at least through the air. Now UCLA's defense, I mean, gosh, they were giving up. Lots of rushing yards to South Alabama, and South Alabama has a good quarterback and some good receivers. So they were they were completing a lot of passes against them. But watching these clips, Jimmy, I just don't. They're they're not like we're a better team than them, and I don't I, think I don't think it's that close. Now, granted, it's a road game. You're playing on grass. You know, if we turn if we if we have turnovers, if we you have if we kick field goals in the red zone, UCLA comes out and plays a really clean game. You know that that's that's a way where it could be a close game and we could lose. I think certainly, yeah. And, and to your point, right, first road game 
it is a grass field. Uh, you know, this team has been feeding off, you know, a pretty exciting environment. The Rose Bowl is going to be dead. <laughs> I, I think Softy tweeted out today that they're offering free tickets to the game. Um, it's certainly not going to be a, a loud, ruckus environment. Yeah, good luck getting to getting getting through LA traffic to Pasadena Friday afternoon. Oh my gosh! Right, seven thirty kick, correct? Correct. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you have to plan out a good segment of the day just just to be there on time, especially if you want if you want to tailgate or do something before uh, the game itself. Right? I mean, there's going to be a lot of planning going on Pasadena yeah not pretty and here's another thing looking at UCLA's defense their three best defensive linemen are all hurt Mm. and are not going to play so they're having huge issues with stopping the run right now so this this is definitely we know that it's likely that we can we can move the ball on them through the air but their run defense is also questionable well, I'll take it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just think the matchup, I mean, I think it favors us. Obviously, UCLA, I mean, offensively, they can they can probably move the ball on us if we're sloppy and we don't play a clean game. What's the spread? I think it's UW by three. Now, I, I think there's one metrics guy who has UW by, I think, six and a half. But I, the problem with a lot of those is it's fact. I, I think a lot of those still factor in the last season. Interesting. Well, so uh, three yeah, just seems pretty tight. Yeah. Well, it started out at one, and it got bet up to I think four, and now it got bet down to three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I expect Washington to win this game. I, I, all the points made about UCLA, you know, the way they look. Um, UW has the better quarterback. Um, you could argue they appear to be better coached right now than UCLA. And better, you know, better offense and the better defense. Yep, and they have injuries, and we'll, you know we have injuries at corner. But it, that sounds like that's not you know the strongest part of their game, right? Is exposing the corner position. Yeah, I mean, Perryman, they do have one tall wide receiver. Mm. Uh, and Perryman is probably, I think I'm. that's what we're hearing, that Perryman is probably going to be back. Actually, he warmed up for Stanford, but didn't mm. play. Okay. So you'd expect maybe he plays this game. But yeah, I mean, watching the film, I mean, you know, they, they UCLA, they, they have some good players. Sure. They're probably going to do a lot of dinking and dunking. Well, you know, maybe maybe look to the middle of the field, those mm-hmm. types of deals. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously going to play their offense the way they feel like it's best for them. And, you know, I think DTR is streaky, too, as a quarterback. I mean, he's played some unbelievable games where he's played really good football, but He's also been inconsistent, and obviously, hopefully, he's inconsistent for for Friday. Yeah, 
because he's had some big games where he's I think he's gone for like five TDs and threw big passes, ran. You know, he's I mean he's got some talent. He's certainly you know he can he's pretty good. Yeah, I mean they they will probably try and take some deep shots. I mean you would think. Um, you know we've been exposed at the corner position for you know almost every game we've seen we've seen issues at the corner position. Yeah, and more recently, I mean more recently it's been because of injuries. Right. Yeah. Asa Turner's sure. out. You know Perryman, Mish Powell were out. So yeah, I'm not right. saying we're great at corner, but we we weren't great to begin with, and now we're playing backups. Yeah, it's definitely an issue. But one so, other thing is one other thing is um, the two four seven guy. I think his name is David Woods. He's on Twitter. He's a pretty funny guy, the UCLA guy. And so I was watching a preview that him and Fetters did. They were interviewed by somebody else. It was on YouTube, and he's pretty worried about their tackles facing our edge guys. What mm. one of their tackles is a redshirt freshman who played one game last year, and. The other guy is a, a transfer from um, Rutgers, I think, who actually was honorable mention all Big Ten. But Woods was still saying that like both these guys have not faced anything comparable to what they're going to see this game. <laughs> well, now now we're you know we're just lining the stars up here for this to be a blowout. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, you know, it is a road game, and UCLA is pro- – it's a road game. UCLA is probably going to be able to move the ball to some degree. Mm-hmm. And I don't – you know, maybe they're saving them – they've been saving themselves for this game, and they're going to – you know, they have another gear that they can go to like we had for Michigan State. I mean, I think – Yeah. And if, we, and if we come out and we're just sloppy and the grass field affects us, you know, then it could be a close game. So I, I – you know, you never know with these games, but um, everything I feel... that we're you know looking at outside, looking at from the outside perspective, looking at all the the nuance and the different perspectives of where we basically grade out strength wise in certain areas, like everything's aligning for Washington to be, you know, should be favored, should win the football game, but of course first road game and such and all those things. Yeah. And I mean, watching the shows, the betting shows where they're analyzing the game, I've watched a few clips and they're a lot of the guys or all of them are basically leaning towards taking Washington and the points or whatever the expression is. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, right now, Washington, you could argue, they're playing the best football in the Pac-12 right now. Yeah, I mean, I well, I'd like to think that we have some. There's still I mean, room for improvement, like because you look, don't want to peak. You don't want to peak in September. Well, I, yeah, I don't think we're peaking, but I, you know, like USC should have lost the Oregon State game. I did, I missed that game. Were you able to watch it? Well, it's a great game, but I mean, you know, USC got some ridiculous call no non-calls right Oregon State um USC was 
you know, Oregon State's offense, the refs did them no favors in some spot, in some spots. Um, it's just amazing. Like you basically buy a coach and buy players to come to USC and you're scraped by Oregon State. Now Oregon State's a pretty good football team. It was on the road, but I mean, Oregon State should have won that game. Did they, they get a lot more game. yards? I mean, what? Um, no, they were just, I mean, they had the lead. They, they blew the lead at the end of the game. They, they let USC go down and score. I think that a late turnover, um, you know, they, they were winning that game. They had the momentum, um, but, you know, they didn't pull it out. And, you know, Caleb Williams was pouting hardcore in the sidelines and, you know, he made plays in the end, driving down the field, won the game. But, I mean, you could argue that Oregon State, you know, should have won that game. And, and you look at Oregon, they squeaked by Washington State. Washington State just crumbled. I tried to watch as much of that game as I could. But, you know, so, I mean, it just feels like, Washington's been the most impressive. Yeah, but this this will be another test going on the road, like we said. But okay, one thing on the Kooks, it was funny how Brock was tweeting about how oh, yeah. the Kooks front seven was. It's like, dude, they they were giving up so many yards, and e- even on because I saw the halftime thing with Emmanuel Acho and, and Chris Peterson was on that. And mm-hmm. both of them were saying it's only points that matter. It's like, well, yeah, if you're giving up a fuck ton of yards, <laughs> like at some point, like you're going to get fucked. Okay. They're yeah. like, well, it's only points, you know, cause it was 10 at halftime or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. They gave up like 700 yards that game. Yeah. I, thought I was dying laughing when I saw that response. I mean, I was, <laughs> I had a laugh out loud moment. That was hilarious. So yeah, I, I mean, I think if we can get by UCLA, then we have some, then we have the Arizona schools and probably some time where we can, you know, prepare for a stretch run. I guess. Yeah. Well, should we should we get to the questions, buddy? Oh or, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's uh, do it. No, yeah. Um. All right. Assuming Penix leaves, would you rather have Heward Morris compete for the job or bring in another hired gun? I'm leaning hired gun, baby. Yeah, I mean, in in the spaces this came up, and Tech made some points about this would hurt your recruiting of high school quarterbacks, which I understand. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I think everybody kind of knows the game. Well, okay. If the high school quarterback is highly sought after there's going to be an understanding and that's just the way it works too um but but that recruit they have uh that quarterback they have Keenholtz. yeah Keenholtz. he's he was like a top 10 quarterback he's a four-star quarterback he's looking good yeah he's climbing in the rank but still you don't know if he's he's playing in some ranky dink high school league in south dakota sure you think that guy's going to be ready to play next year no, I, I mean don't. it's the same thing we were talking about with with Sam Heward. I mean he's so how many years does Sam Heward have left after this year? Oh, he's a sophomore, right? 
Or was he a freshman? He was a redshirt freshman last year, right? So he has well, three. He has three years after. Yeah, because he got a year back because of the COVID season, right? Wait, did did he play more than four games last year? No, no, he kept his. Okay, so he has basically has three and a half years left. Yeah, correct. Yeah, my point with Sam Heward, like he might be a guy that needs, he doesn't play till. He doesn't start until his senior year, basically. You know, he might play a little bit as a junior. I mean, that's there's some quarterbacks like that where they need three or four years of seasoning, which yeah. is fine. I mean, and the thing is, if that's the case, I'm fine with that. And look, you you gotta you gotta win now. You gotta, and I think Jimmy, with the way Penix has been playing, the way the offense is playing. At, I mean, at this moment, if this if the end of the season were right now, we would be one of the top destinations for transfer QBs. Well, that, but you know, DeBoer and Grubb are going to know whether they want to go out and get a quarterback or not, right? They might feel like they can win with one of those two guys. I, I mean, I it would right. shock me. They felt like it would be Morris, but what do I know? But... Yeah, my guess would they'd go and get a hired gun. I mean, if Penix plays a full year and he keeps playing this way, does he? Why would he stay? That that's the point. I mean, he's. Yeah. I already I sent you. I think after. After even after the Michigan State game, one mock draft had him going at the end of the first round. I heard something mm. a couple of days ago that said he was like second round now. Mm. Yeah. I mean, so. Yeah. That, that that guy's not coming back. It's highly unlikely. Just, yeah, enjoy enjoy him while he's here. Yeah, yes. And that and look, I hope you know. I hope we win the Pac-12 and go to the Rose Bowl, and he'll be an amazing one-year legend. Yeah, me too. I'll take um, it. I, next question. I'm hearing Jen Cohen is the greatest AD ever. Can we pump the brakes on rushing to praise her? So yeah, I think I told you on Dog Man there was a thread praising Jen Cohen. Uh, then also there was a guy on Twitter who started attacking people like me and a couple other people who were, yeah, yeah. did you see that? Oh yeah. And I think he since deleted that tweet. Good. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I think I responded to him, but the question is, is like, you know, DeBoer wasn't Cohen's first choice. This, this marketing change wasn't Cohen. This culture change wasn't Cohen. Um, you know, all these things that we wanted to see from this program last year was never there. It's like a 180 in so many different ways. And, you know, Cohen didn't want to fire Lake. I mean, the credit goes to DeBoer. Let's, let's get really clear on that. 100%. I mean, it's not even, it's not even debatable. I mean, I will give her credit for hiring DeBoer over Wilcox. Sure. I'll give oh, even sure. I love Will Cox, but I'll give her credit for that. Sure, that's enough. legitimate because those were the fallback guys, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, and like we said on the coaching pod, a lot of the fallback guys end up being better. You know, yeah. Pete Carroll, for yeah. example, what was a USC's fifth choice? I'm not saying DeBoer is going to be like Pete. Yeah, Carroll, it was like but, fifth or sixth. Um, yeah, yeah, it was like no, it was like nobody wanted the job at that point. It's hard to believe. And yeah. Pete, Car- yeah, Pete Carroll hired himself basically. Um, 
Yeah. So you put, yeah, people got to pump the brakes on all that stuff. And yeah, I mean, she, even after the debacle against Oregon, she was even considering not firing him at that point, which is just unconscionable. That makes no sense. Crazy. Uh, in what ways do you think the offense will tweak its approach versus UCLA? What is your rationale for those tweaks? I don't. I, I don't see any reason why they would be changing their offense in any in any manner. Frankly, I mean, why would they? Yeah, I agree. I'm probably not the best person to ask, but I I do think that I don't know. Maybe we'll try and mix in a little bit more run. I know that some people. We're complaining that in the second half we could have ran more against Stanford. Mm. So I think given UCLA's situation with the defensive line, which is a huge weakness for them because of the injuries, you would hope that we could get ahead and then salt the game away in the second half, you know, tiring them out and just pounding them on the ground while, you know, mixing in Penix bombs or high percentage passes. Hey, just quickly, your audio's kind of changed all of a sudden. Is it worse? How do I sound now? Now you sound great. Okay. Oh, I, th- I might have pulled away from the mic. Home run. Fuck yeah. There you go. You're good. Yeah, so I, I guess if that didn't come out, um, I would say if we're ahead by a couple scores, maybe more running in the second half because of UCLA's deficiencies on the defensive line right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how, how do you feel about that? Well, I think they'll feel it out early on, right? Get a feel for what's working, what's not, what they want to do. Uh, you know, <laughs> Grub seems like a guy who can who can make adjustments, so... I think they're going to just run the play the ball that they have, but if they see success early in the run and they're pounding the rock, I, I think the Tula Papa had, did he have 99 yards in the first half of that game against Stanford? Am I getting the games mixed up? Um, yeah, I think you're getting the games mixed up. Okay. Okay. Well, it seemed like he was getting big chunk plays. Let me look at that stat. What, what do we have? Ninety-nine yards rushing, or did I dream this? Help me out. In the first half. Yeah. What did we end up in that game yardage-wise? In that game, uh, you want me to pull it up? Let's see. I'm looking right now. Okay. Yeah, you look that up. Okay. What's next? Um. Next question. Tula Papa had 120 yards rushing in the game. One touchdown. I don't know if I can see halftime stats. It's probably on Go Huskies. They they do have like a first quarter sec, uh, halftime update. That's right. Anyway, why I, next I, question? I, yeah, he didn't run that. Sorry, he didn't run that much in the second half. They did a lot of running in the first half. Why I didn't? Did, I think may have. Anyway. You think what? I think he did have 99 yards in the first half against Stanford. You're probably right. Right. Why why didn't Polk get any targets? Couldn't tell on TV. He only had one. 
Well, hard. Maybe Stanford was keen on him because the week before. I, I frankly like the fact that uh, I mean, he had a deep shot early on um, that he didn't get. I think he was pretty well defended on that play. It was he. Penix had one deep overthrow too in the first half. I don't know if that was to Polk or not either. I guess one of them was to McMillan. Was it? It was. You're right. It was McMillan. Um. You know, I'm not bothered by that, frankly. I mean, I like the fact that any one of those guys could be could be the hot hand for that for for a game, right? It's like you can't yeah. key on one guy. You gotta love how Odunze. So he he didn't play the second game. He didn't give us much the third game against right. Michigan State, and then he came back and had 160 yards. And did he have three t- yeah. touchdowns? Odunze. Yeah. Did TDs. I see that wrong? Or did, did he have one? Well, oh, I think Penix only threw two touchdowns. Oh, yeah. Okay. But still, he had 160 yards. Did he really? Yeah, Odinze <laughs> did. God. Gotta wow. like that firepower. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah, you do. Um, let's see. Uh, Odunze had a 30-yard touchdown in the third quarter. Do you have another touch? Doesn't look like it. Nixon scored, then Peyton to the Papa, 34-yard run. Uh, Peyton, 47, 30-yard Odunze. Giles Jackson had the last touchdown. He had just one touchdown for Odunze. Okay, let's get a next question. Um, Okay. These are two things I'll read, but because I want to hear your thoughts on this. There's two Mm. tweets. First one, why does Mike Salk hate UW? He won't let Brock talk for more than three minutes on a 42-minute long Washington Wednesday segment before forcing the subject to change. And then someone else said, thank you. What is Mike Salk's problem with the Huskies? And when they were telling Pete Carroll about what a terrible sports weekend in Seattle it was, Pete reminded them of the Huskies' win, to which Brock made it sound like he didn't want to bring it up or talk about it. What the hell? Well, we've talked on Salk ad nauseum over the years. I mean, he's... (laughs) He's a baseball guy too, right? He doesn't like college football. He's an East Coast elitist snob. He is, and I don't think he has much affinity for Seattle fans. And for some reason, he's not—he's not a college football guy, that's for sure. And I think he has disdain for Husky fans. So, why? Why? I mean, is it the arrogance, or? Yeah, I think he probably thinks that. You know. Husky fans, yeah, are arrogant, and they we think the program's better than they actually are. I'm I'm sure there's some of that, but you know he doesn't like talking football. He likes talking Seahawks because that's the station's bread and butter with the Mariners, right? Like you, you're not going to have that station and not talk Hawks. <laughs> so yeah, I mean I get that, but but still, it's like Washington Wednesdays, and they only talk about it for three minutes. Out of 42 minutes, like he yeah, saw no, complete. I listened to it. And it was about four minutes and midway mm. through Salk was taught. He went on a tangent talking about Herm Edwards. So, <sighs> so that was basically, you know, basically just destroying Brock, you know, Brock's talking about Husky football, like basically ending it. Yeah. I mean, I can't I, get inside the head of the guy, <clears throat> but he's just, I don't think he has a lot of interest. Yeah. 
but I, uh, I mean, Brock, I don't know. I was thinking of telling Brock he should come on our show if he wants That'd to be amazing. talk Husky football. You should do it. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about it uh, offline. Yeah, uh, but um, all right. Let's, let's all right. Get next this question: thing. What's up with Cam Davis not getting more carries? Multiple coaching staffs now seem to not want to give him the ball regularly, despite him appearing to have the best feel as a runner. Is it as cliche as one of the usual? He needs to learn pass protection. Better reasons. Well, what I heard from one of my sources was that he had a mild injury, mm-hmm. and that they were just holding him out as a precaution. Yeah, I mean, there's no way. Yeah, it had to have been. I mean, I thought about it too, right? Because Newton had a play early in the game, swing pass that he actually dropped. Uh, it was a little bit of a tough drop or catch, but yeah, yeah. I, my my assumption was that it was probably injury related. I have no insight to whether that was true or not. Yeah, we're, your insight was correct, and that's you know the <laughs> drop the drop passes is one thing we definitely need to improve on. Yep. There is a metric that I think it's, I don't know what, it's something with catchable balls or drop passes, but apparently we are in the bottom quarter nationally in that statistic. So showing Ooh. that there is, there is room for us to improve offensively. Well, good. Well, at least we know if we have something to improve on. And, and side note, just my quick math, the play-by-play, I had Tula Papa down for 87 yards rushing, so I might have missed a few plays. He rushed for 87 yards in the first half against Stanford. Well, that's close enough for government work, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Real, actually, that's 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 really close for government work. <laughs> oh, man, that's the line of the night right there. That's good. That's good. All right, what's next? What's next is we got to do a prediction. Okay, let's do it. Prediction time. Look, man, I'm going with I'm going with 37 to 37 25. Nice. Washington, of course. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I feel good about the game. I feel that there's a chance we could really blow them out, but um, UCLA will probably be up for the game. They'll probably have some wrinkles in and all that shit. Mm-hmm. UCLA should, I mean, we don't have a defense that's going to prevent you from moving the ball. So, um. I I'm going to go with uh forty forty to twenty seven. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I mean, we were spot on with Stanford. Yeah, Stanford. We were really close. We, we've we, and yeah. what was the other? Was it the Portland State or the Kent State game? We almost nailed. 
we were yep. really close yeah with those. I mean, we were basically scored Stanford was spot on for both of us so yeah so I wanted to make our that only comment. Our, our only our only whiff obviously was Michigan State but I liked being pleasantly uh oh, yeah. that was completely wrong about that yeah well PTSD buddy got the best of us yeah well hopefully Pete the dog dog fans Friday night as we lay our heads on the pillow, we won't be having PTSD <laughs> regarding our struggles in uh, regular season games against UCLA in, in the Rose Bowl. That's right, buddy. Fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, man. All right, brother. Let's, uh, let's end it there. We'll uh, talk to everybody next week, and uh, hopefully we're talking after a victory. Absolutely. Sounds good to me, bub. All right, go dogs. Go dogs.